Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Federal Premium Shot Shells. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out and say thank you to Federal for standing by the Wingman brand since the beginning. They are our oldest partner and we... I can't. I can still remember to this day when Brandon Mason told me that they signed a contract and wanted to partner with us. I was so excited because I've been a Federal fanboy forever. I've been using Federal ammunition since way before I was ever involved in the outdoor industry, and I'm a firm believer in every product that they sell, whether it's rifle ammunition, whether it's pistol ammunition, or in the case of wingmen, shot shells. Everything from their TSS lineup, their turkey shot shells, their high shock lead target loads. Man, everything that they have just absolutely kills it. But I want to I highlight one product that they make in particular today, and that is the Federal Premium Speed Shock, or a.k.a. Blue Box. You guys have seen it. On the shelves, if you're if you're a waterfowler, you know how awesome good old Federal Blue Box is. If you need a load that you can buy a lot of, buy a couple cases of, and you can afford it, you can buy those cases without breaking the bank. It's Federal Blue Box every single time. My pick, three-inch number twos. There's not a situation in waterfowling that I've encountered where I can't cleanly take birds with three-inch number twos, especially if I'm being a little picky and shooting stuff in the decoys but man i've taken especially canada geese at some pretty jaw-dropping shots with that federal blue box stuff it's awesome it comes in a variety of loads it comes in a variety of gauges my pick is the 12 gauge three inch number twos i've shot everything from pheasants on public property in south dakota where you had to shoot a non-toxic load to geese sandhill cranes and obviously ducks, mallards, teal, you name it. Three-inch number two, Federal Premium Speed Shock. It just flat kills. Check it out. This fall, I know you won't be disappointed. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast. I have a pretty special guest on with me today. I have Harrison Creed. Harrison is a freelance photographer and videographer that we got to use last year on some of the wingmen projects and on some of the Eastman's projects as well. Harrison, you're in the truck, man. Where are you headed? I am apparently heading down to Arkansas to hunt the timber. So I'm uh, pretty excited. I've never got the opportunity to do this before. So I'm stoked. Okay. Yeah. You're a little broken up, but that's to be expected because you're driving. Um, I hope that this audio is going to work. Do what? I said, I'm hoping this audio is going to work for us. Yeah, I have too. Yeah, no kidding. So you're headed down to hunt the flooded timber. What does that entail for you? Because you're not, you're not going to be shooting with a gun much. I'm not anticipating. You're probably going to shoot with a camera. Yeah. So I really haven't gotten all the details. Um, I know there's a few companies that we're going to try and get content for while we're down there. I have a buddy who he's going to be filming a vlog for him and I am going to be taking pictures, snapping shots for those brands and for the outfitter who we're going with. Um, 
So, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. I know we got three days of duck hunts in the mornings, and then we might try to get on a goose hunt in the afternoons. And aside from that, I, I really haven't been told too much information. I'm supposed to get there around 7.30 night, so I guess I'll get to low down there and kind of figure out what the exact plan is. Cool. So the life of a traveling photographer slash videographer, you're just on the road and that's, and at everybody's beck and call, huh? Oh yeah. Most of the time. I think, uh, I think last year I made the trip from Kansas to Wyoming seven times. <laughs> that's all. Holy smokes. Well then we reversed it last year. So that we did a, well, it was supposed to be a crane hunt, but just the situation of it didn't turn out to be solely cranes last year. And we kind of mixed in cranes and ducks and some little geese. We did a little bit of everything, but you, you had a hookup with the outfit, Oklahoma, um, down there in Enid. And we went and hunted with those guys. How did you get hooked up with, uh, Shane and the, that crew down there? So, you know, I think it's funny, you know, you bring that up because a lot of waterfowlers, we all get connected through social media some way, somehow, you know. And so I was actually on my way back down from Wyoming and uh, I shot Gage a message on Instagram and I said, hey, you know, I'd love to hunt with you guys. I'll be in the area if that'd be an opportunity that we could get in on. And he messaged me back and talked to Shane, who's the owner of the outfit. And through that right there, we got together and then I started shooting with those guys and made a really good connection with them and they've become really good friends of mine and people who I just I love hunting with and I wanted to get the opportunity to bring you down and hunt with them well they are they are awesome crew of guys we had a great hunt the hunting was tough just because of the way the birds were while we were there wasn't anything that they could do about it but yeah Shane Llewellyn Gage Biggers those guys down there at the outfit you know Dylan Poston um just awesome, awesome dudes. And they have, they know how to kill those birds. They know how to get on them. I'd never had a chance to hunt sandhill cranes ever in my life. And we went late, um, way, way, way late and probably should have been looking for birds in Texas, but there were still had a handful in Oklahoma, which is pretty no far North for hunting cranes that time of year. And dude, we got into them that first morning was we, you know, we drove the road trip in itself was 18 hours. We drove it straight through on the way down, didn't stop. And I was crushed by the time we got there. I think I was battling well, some sort of illness. I don't know what it was, but I was sick and we got there late that night and you were, I said, I'm going to crash. And you're like, well, I'm going to go out and hunt with those guys in the morning and try to get some footage. And you went out came back i think i slept till like 10 o'clock in the morning you got back and you were like dude are you even alive <laughs> i was crushing the black rifle coffee all the way down both yeah. in the stuff both i had a thermos that i made before i left i ran out of that i was drinking the ready to drink stuff and that go-to was the my go-to was that black rifle 300 in yeah. the like caramel vanilla caramel stuff and oh my gosh, man, I think that's the only reason we split the drive. I drove the first half, you drove the second half. And I remember stopping in the middle of the night at a Casey's and getting a donut, yeah. or a couple of donuts. Yeah. Stupid. I, I, yeah. That was yeah. crazy. It was an insane, insane trip on the way down. 
we yeah. got down there, got our licenses the, the next day. When you, you came back, got me up, we got all our gear lined out, you know, uh, got all the, all the federal ammunition sorted out. You know, I it was interesting. I didn't know that I didn't have to shoot, uh, that I could shoot like Turkey loads and stuff. I could shoot lead, but I was shooting the black cloud federal premium black cloud BB by seven loads on those cranes. And honestly, it was, I was we did, I think I killed a total of four or five cranes in a three days of hunting and just crushed it. Those loads just crush them. It was absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely spectacular. Um, but the video that we're dropping this weekend is this hunt. And we didn't, unfortunately, we wanted to do like a three part series on this video, but it didn't turn out that way just because the hunting wasn't spectacular. And like I said, that wasn't any fault of Shane and the crew at the outfit. It was just the way the birds were. You know, I, I know before we got there, they had a bunch of birds, but then it got cold. It got really cold on us. In fact, like the last morning that you and I hunted, we hunted a feed for little geese and speckle bellies. And dude, it was brutal that morning. I mean, I was decked out head to toe in... I mean, the warmest stuff that Sitka makes, I had the boreal layer on and I don't get cold wearing that. And I was barely warm enough that morning, like the wind, the humidity, it was, it was bad. But I, I think the only reason we, st we were able to stay out there that long was that Sitka system that I was running. I think I had on the heavyweight, heavyweight hoodie and the heavyweight bottoms. And then I had on like the the Dakota pant and the Boreal bib pant. What's yeah. I think it was the layouts, but I was wearing a Boreal jacket with a Fahrenheit vest yeah. over the top of that. Oh, or underneath it. I should say it was, Oh, it was freaking brutal. The, the conditions were just awful that day, but we killed some birds. So that's what this video is going to be. It's kind of a mashup of everything that you and I got to do down there. A little bit of the lodge, a little bit of the guys talking, a little bit of the cranes, because that was kind of like the reason we went was the crane hunting. Have you guys been able to get on cranes at all down there since? Um, so early season, whenever I was uh, hunting with the boys with the outfit, uh, early November, we got on quite a few cranes, had some really good hunts, and then... Um, as season went on, I went to another outfitter in southwest Oklahoma. Now, we were getting on the cranes pretty steady until, I'd say, about the end of the first week of this month, and they have gotten very, very hard. The hunting yeah. just in general has gotten very, very hard. The birds are smart. I mean, they've migrated such a long ways. They've seen every spread known to man by the time they get down to southwest Oklahoma and west Texas, so they get hard to kill. Well, that was what you and I ran into when we were there. It was stale birds that had been in the area quite a while. And those guys were busting their butts trying to get us on those birds the best they could. But it was it was pretty rugged, you know, and there was there's one one part that and we were there for like the last three or four days of crane season. I mean it was the very yeah. end of the season that we got on those birds. Man, they were they were tough. That third, that last day we hunted, I think that was the last day of season. And we had those all those birds got up off that roost and came, flew around. You got some amazing footage 
but we didn't shoot any cranes. They didn't decoy. It was bad. Then they went back and they all landed back on the roost. And I have, I still laugh about this because Shane jumps up and he's like, it's the last day of season. We're going to burn the roost. <laughs> and we went and we, we actually jump shot some birds and it was, it was freaking cool. You know, I, I understand that you're not supposed to jump shoot roosts. And the only reason that we did that was because it was the last day and he had eight of us standing there or 10, 10 of us standing there that he needed to get on birds. And I get it. You know, I'm, I talk about that all the time about be careful with your roosts, you know, don't be jump shooting your roost. Don't burn your roost. Don't bust up your roosts, find feeds, find loafing areas, find traffic areas and leave your birds a safe place to be. Well, Shane and Gage, those guys, they'd done that all season long. Those birds have been on there all season long and they were just hunting feeds. Like the first day, we hunted a feed and we killed, I think we killed five cranes or six cranes that day. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody in the group got a bird, you know, and it was super cool. Got you, you, you nailed some footage, absolutely gorgeous footage of Gage and his dog with the rec specs on. And I mean, kind of what you think of when you think of cranes, but that last, and then we hunted, then we hunted a, a, a second day and it was a total bust. And then we, the third day, that last day of the hunt we went in and man we made it rain and uh we're 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 not including that footage (laughs) we were asked not to uh film that which i understand um and it's it's fine but as far as like getting it done and getting on getting clients on birds on the last day um i gave him a lot of grace for that i didn't have any problem with it I thought it was super cool experience. We got to take home a bunch of crane meat because, and that's kind of the point, you know? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, those guys run a, run a top tier outfit. Speaking of crane meat, old clay, the cook at, at the outfit. Holy smokes. Can that guy cook food? And he yeah. cooked up some crane for us. Woof. Just like eating steak, man. Oh yeah. It was, it was delicious. And that's one funny thing you talk about cooking uh crane breasts and different stuff like that it's a little rabbit trail but it's funny because you know how whenever we went and did that sage grouse piece and egg cooked that sage grouse for us yeah so i've had probably minimum 20 clients here down at s bar and they're saying ducks are nasty geese are nasty cranes yeah i don't know and i'll legitimately go out to the cleaning table take a breast off from them Go cut the silver skin and fat off of it. Olive oil, steak seasoning on each side, hot and fast. It's like, wow, that tastes just like a steak. And they're they're shocked. <laughs> if you treat it like meat, it tastes like meat, right? No, oh, I don't yeah. care what it is. You're spot on, dude. Harrison, you're spot on. Whether it's goose, whether it's duck. You know, when we were in Canada this last year, cooking up speckle belly breasts, hot and fast like that. Olive oil steak seasoning on a grill in a skillet dude and the guys they just couldn't get enough of it they're just spectacular and and they're all like that you know we did sage grouse like that you're right when you helped us film the sage grouse project it was spectacular the 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 food the they they eat really really good and you know they don't call them the ribeye of the sky for nothing you know they are awesome but you can do that recipe it's super simple 
you and I did it with duck. We filmed yep. part of that. There's a, there's a video that you and I did, um, of doing duck breasts that way. And that's still one of my family's favorite way to eat ducks to this day. It's great. It's yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that I'm excited to drop this video. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, you did an awesome job. You gave us way more footage than what we actually could possibly use. Um, but we were able to piece it together. I'm excited for you to see the edit uh, and before it drops. Yeah, it's going to be cool. We, we had, a, we had a, a, lot of, a lot to work with, and I think we got a nice little video out of the deal. We got some credit where credit's due with the outfit, with the outfit Oklahoma and Shane Llewellyn and those guys. They are, like I said, they are top-notch. And if you're looking for a crane hunt in November, I would definitely go with them. Maybe early December, go with, look at those guys. Call them. Check them out on, on their website. You can find them on social media. The Outfit Oklahoma is where they're at. They have an, the Outfit uh, Saskatchewan, too, don't they? Yes, sir. Or is it the, out, the Outfit Alberta? I can't, I can't remember which uh, it is. It's... Uh... Um, now you stump me. They're in Saskatchewan. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Is the outfit Saskatchewan? I or, think it is. I, that, that's what popped into my head and my my first reaction, my first response to things is usually the right one. So, anyway, no, that's that's uh, they're awesome. They're great guys. You definitely need to check them out if you're in the market to hunt little geese, hunt ducks in Oklahoma or across the border, and definitely cranes. And I, I would hunt cranes every single year. I thought that was a lot of fun, you know, having the ability to go down there and shoot a bird that is kind of like, kind of is like geese, but isn't geese. Yeah. They kind of, they kind of like being around the water, but they don't like being wet. You know, yeah. they're, they're such a unique critter Oh yeah, that, you know, and it's but it's like a goose hunt you know you get up early you put out the decoys you brush in the blinds you kick back crack open crack open a black rifle coffee you know load up load up shotguns break out the federal load up shotguns and just hang out wait for daylight and those birds start coming and there's nothing that decoys quite like those cranes no not at all they're you know, they're completely and totally different than any other bird yeah, I it was it's eye opening to watch. It it really really is. I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Hey guys, gonna take pause for a minute and bring you a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, you've heard me talk about my favorite roast from Black Ruffle Coffee being the Just Black. Well, I've also got a favor, another favorite for when I don't have time to brew a pot of coffee, or I want something a little sweeter, or or later in the day, and I want some. A cold coffee, an iced coffee, and that's the ready-to-drink coffees from Black Rifle. I really like the 300 series. I am a caffeine junkie. Probably not good for me. My doctor's probably cringing listening to this right now, but 300 milligrams of caffeine just fuels my fire. Gets me going. Gives me that edge I need to continue on throughout my day at that top level. Plus, Man, those 300s just taste so good. There's the there's the rich mocha flavor. There's the vanilla flavor. Both of them are phenomenal. And you could find them all over the place. You know, that's a cool thing about Black Rifle is it's it's getting to be pretty mainstream. And even in our little neck of the mountains out here in Wyoming, 
I can go to the hardware store and get Black Ruffle coffee. I can go to my grocery store and get Black Ruffle coffee. I can go to the local gas station and get it when I fill up. Those ready-to-drink cans, man, I walk in, I grab two or three of them, I throw them in a cooler full of ice, and midday, pop one, and I'm ready to go for the rest of the day. And it's that's just that smooth, icy refreshment. Man, it's so good. If you like iced coffee, do yourself a favor and check out Black Riffle Coffee's ready-to-drink coffees in a can. Like I said, you can get them all over the place. You can even order them online. And especially my my vote is the 300 series, the 300 milligrams of caffeine. Just if you're an energy drink guy or person, I should say, you're probably consuming too much caffeine anyway, so why not take it up a notch anyway and go all the way to 300? Just do it. Anyway, Black Rifle Coffee, thank you for sponsoring today's podcast. And, guys, check them out. You can go online. You can order it there. You can get a, you can get a Black Rifle Coffee membership, get decals, whatever. There's a cool company, cool product, great group of people. And it's veteran-owned USA, baby. Check it out, blackriflecoffee.com. Thanks again, thanks again, guys, for sponsoring today's episode. But anyway, it is what it is. But dude, you're catching me. I'm I'm sorry if I'm a little tired. You're catching me after about a six-hour duck hunt this morning. We went out and and smashed some birds. But we're running into the same thing that you said you saw you guys did in Oklahoma, where our birds that we still have are stale. I mean. Yeah. The weather's warm up here. It's it's rugged, man. I mean, it took in my my number one honey hole spot took us six hours to shoot a four man limit today, which normally in the last couple of weeks it's been forty five minutes to pull that off. You know, we went we went for like a three probably a two hour period this afternoon or this morning where we never saw a duck. There was nothing flying and, you know, you did some filming for us in that spot last year. So you can imagine if there's nothing in the air for a certain amount of time, it's like, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That place is normally stacked. Yeah. So did you guys, have you seen birds drift back North, like up into Kansas and stuff? So <laughs> it's actually funny you mentioned that. So we hadn't seen so many birds drifting back North, but I talked to Gage on the phone actually about six days ago because we didn't have hardly any uh, any ducks. We had we had a few geese, we had some cranes, didn't have any ducks. And I messaged Tim because I don't know if you saw on his Instagram about Enzo. He cut his ear, and um, I asked him what had happened. He called me, and I figured out where all the birds were because he said, "Yeah, we killed uh, 120 ducks today. Uh, we killed." 80 geese and then 70 ducks in two groups a day before. So we haven't so much seen them, uh, you know, reverse migrate, I guess you want to say, but from talking to all of our buddies up there, there are a lot of birds up in that area right now. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad uh, it's, that's good to hear. Cause we, we definitely have seen a massive reverse migration. You know, when the whole country was, in the throes of that extreme cold a few weeks back, it froze us up solid. You know, yeah. um, the, the, the one blind that you helped me film when we had Ramsey Russell out last fall, uh, when we, where we filmed the second day that blinds on huntable. And, and at one point it was completely 
it looked like a, an ice jam. The whole river was completely frozen over. Ice was stacked up 30 feet tall. The, the ice jams down there are still 15 to 20 feet high. You need a ladder to be able to get down to the river. Um, and the blind itself, is like a hockey rink. All my decoys that I hauled down there are frozen into about a foot and a half of ice. And it's just, it's unhuntable. And it's a shame because there's a bunch of birds down there because it's not being hunted. But that's not a bad thing necessarily because it's given those birds a safe place to be. And uh, like I said, on Sunday morning, we had some guys shoot the roost up um, on us. And they, they did it a few minutes before shooting light, but that's, I'm more concerned about shooting up a roost, but you know, I can't, I can't blame to blame guys too much either because we've been, it has been so slow for so many weeks here that guys are just desperate to get in on birds. And if they find a bunch of birds, they're going to go shoot them up, you know, and you just have to adapt. You have to find new spots. Um, yeah trying to find some of these little little places here and there, but man, so many of our birds have gone back to Montana. They're up on the Yellowstone. They're up on the Bighorn in Montana. They're up on the Missouri, you know, just the weather that we had crushed Montana too, but everything has opened back up. And so birds have drifted back North. And I was just wondering if you guys had seen the same thing. Yeah, that was, that was one big thing. You know, you mentioned the freeze that, it got down into the negatives here. And um, I honestly thought, I was like, you know what? Okay, this is going to be good for us because this is going to push birds down because there's not going to be any open water in Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota. It's going to push them down to where we are. We're going to get loaded. Hunting's going to be really good. And as soon as that freeze hit and then it hit 70 degrees again, everything just went back. And we, we haven't hardly seen what we should see and another thing that's been tough for us is is that it's we're hunting stale birds like we've mentioned so many times and majority of the time whenever you find a goose feed a lot of these geese they're sitting in the middle of the field so it's hard to try and get an edge high because if they want to be in the center of that field you're not going to be able to pull them to an edge so in turn you're having to sit in the tall socks and lay in the spread well by the time geese get to southwestern oklahoma or even anywhere in Oklahoma by this time of the year, really, you're laying in the socks and you're laying in silhouettes. Half the time those geese get over the silhouettes and like, well, where'd the geese go? And they get, you know, nervous around the socks and they'll flare at about 70 yards and they won't come in. So that's been another tough thing that we've had to deal with. Yeah. And you guys are hunting, you know, you're hunting like what we do and you're, you're freelancing, you're bouncing from spot to spot to trying to chase an X. And so hunting out of a pit is the ideal way to hunt late in the year like this, obviously, but it's not always feasible. You know, I have a spot right now that, um, I, it's the perfect candidate for a pit, but the farmer will not let me put a pit in, which I understand that's a pits are a pain in the butt. If you're a farmer, cause they never, even if you, even if you fill them in at the end of the year, they never go back to the same the same way from year to year they'll fill up with water it'll sink and then that guy that farmer's got a low spot there where you dug your pit so i completely get that but if you can holy smokes man hiding in a pit that time of year is it's ideal absolutely ideal one of our guides that we have he's originally from colorado and uh he guides with front range guide service you've ever heard of them down there yep uh, 
they got a ton of birds and that's all they do sun out of pits and they're really getting after them right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely been interesting, that's for sure. Oh goodness. Well, dude, I'm excited for you to see this video. I think it's gonna be really good. Um what else have you been up to? Really? Uh trying to keep trying to keep that fiance of yours happy. Yeah. Yeah, that that has been uh, one thing that's been definitely uh, first priority. Any chance that I get, or if we have, you know, I'm three hours and forty five minutes from home, so if I have the next day off, we don't have clients. You best believe, as soon as we get done hunting that morning, I'm taking a shower, I'm packing a bag, and I'm going north for the night, and then I'll come back down the next afternoon and get ready to hunt again. But I try to spend as much time as possible with her and. Her birthday's coming up February 3rd, so I'm going to go back home for five days, and then I head to Arkansas for a month to go do snow goose hunts. And then, uh, yeah, so once that's over, I'm taking a break for a little bit. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of in that late-season grind mentality right now where, you know, we're we're staring at, I think we have, oh, let me look at the calendar. Uh, one, two, three, four, five days of duck season left. This is the last weekend of duck season. And then we got, it closes for us on Tuesday and then that's it. We've got geese. We got a couple weeks of, of late geese, but we don't have a lot of geese here in the area. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's funny, you know, everybody's grinding it out. You know, if, if you're making a living at this as a guide or an outfitter, or like you, you're traveling the country, taking pictures and shooting video and that kind of stuff. It it's hard. You're a lot of time on the road. You're trying to balance family time at the same. You know, I'm I'm fortunate in that regard because I get to be home every night. You know, the the last trip I did was in September to Alberta. Otherwise, all my hunting's local, and I get to see my kids and my wife every single evening, which that's huge. That is that's absolutely huge, but. Yeah. yeah, I I was interested to see how you were keeping that piece. Yeah, it, it's one of them deals, too, that I told her. I said, you know, right now, before we're married, it's the time where I'm making sacrifices with time being at home in order to prove myself more in the industry and give myself more of an opportunity to get the content that I need to get to then be able to show the people who I need to be with content wise hey i can do this and then in turn i'm not gonna have to work as much i'm gonna get to be home more and i'll make more money all in all and so that's that's what i'm doing right now is i'm just trying to grind it out and prove that i can you know get the best content possible and build a portfolio and you know show brands what i can do because this season was a real grind for me because November, I hunted probably, oh, between deer hunts and waterfowl hunts, probably 20 days total in November. But since December 3rd until today, besides, I think we took four days off at Christmas, I've had five days off of hunting that I haven't been a blind. Yep. So it's, it's been a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights, and it's it's been a grind, but I'm believing it's going to pay off. It's all going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it will for you. Who who are you working for? Who Are you still – I know for a while there you were working with Savage a little bit. What uh, – um, So, 
brand wise, uh, still do some stuff with Savage, uh, for me. And then, um, big Al's decoys, um, working on getting on some stuff with payday, uh, which used to be lifetime decoys. Right. And then, um, right now I'm actually going down to do this shoot and, uh, Shen is a part of it. So see if we can get anything going with them for the future. That's awesome. Um, I was curious, like I said, I knew you, I knew that you had done some stuff for Savage with one of their, one of their new rifles, um, with the, with the Eastman side of the brand this year, you were down, um, in Colorado with those guys early in the year. So that was cool, but you're just kind of out there. Yeah. If you had, if you had some advice for someone who wanted to get into this, cause you're about the th- second or third photographer I've had on, um, started with Wade Shoemaker back in the day. One of our first podcasts was with Wade. Um, you know, I, I know your story, how you got into this, you yeah. know, but if you had some advice for somebody that, that wanted to try their hand at this, what would you tell them? First off, um, just because like you said, you know how my story started in this and a lot of it started with me messaging you and trying to get into the industry more. And one thing that I'll tell people is, and I was actually talking to a guy the other day about it. I said, if you don't bet on yourself, nobody else is going to, because if you're new at this nine times out of 10, you're not going to have people reaching out to you to do content for them or do different things such as that. So you're going to have to put yourself out there and do what I did. I reached out to Todd. I said, Hey, you know, can I do some wingman stuff sometime? I sent him some pictures. They liked them. And then I went up and shot some fly fishing and I went up there and Little did I know on the trip up there, he was going to say, treat this like a job interview. And I was like, oh, this just got really serious really fast. <laughs> so we went out and, you know, I did what I could do to get some cool shots, even hung off the side of a drift boat. And, uh, you know, it all worked out and met some really, really good people through it. Um, another thing that I definitely say is never stop shooting because the one thing that I've learned is that, there's going to be shots that you want to get whenever you're on a hunt. And yeah, those shots are important, but the second that you put your camera down, it's going to be the time that there's a shot that you should have gotten. So always have your camera in your hand, always be learning and networking, always build your brand and don't do anything to tarnish that. I mean, I guess that's the ex college athlete coming out in me, but you as a person, especially as your own business owner, you can say you're building your own brand and you have to, you know, carry yourself at a higher level than a lot of other people have to carry themselves because no matter what you do, that comes back on you and your character and what people think of you and you always need to put your best foot forward. Be the best best version of you that you can be. I think that's solid advice for not just freelance photography but just life in general i i i would agree with you on every turn on that i think that's awesome cool well i'm excited for you to see this video this this oklahoma hunt we're calling it a crane hunt but there's a little bit of everything mixed in um i had a chance to get a little snippet of shane in there and dylan you get to see gage um obviously with all the stuff we shot, we could have made this thing an hour and a half long, but 
we really wanted to distill this video into the elemental experience that you and I put together down there. And I think we nailed it. You know, I think we, I think we nailed the, the, the driving. I think we nailed the hunting, you know, like I said, there was some, there were some parts of that Oklahoma hunt that were out of our control and out of the outfitters control as well. Number one being, yeah. being birds. But another part of it was, um, you know, the guys that we, that we freelanced the, the very first morning, um, we hunted with a, with a guy named Donnie from Florida and Donnie never shot a crane and neither had any of the other guys in his group. And they had, they were with a different outfitter who had screwed them over like four days in a row. So they canceled what they had left with him and got a hold of Shane. We jumped in with those guys and everybody killed a crane that day. And Donnie's actually makes a little cameo in the video. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. That, that told me, that told me the caliber of human being that I was dealing with when it came to Shane Llewellyn and Gage and the outfit Oklahoma, it wasn't just, you know, your regular, you know, book clients and take their money type of deal. They, those guys really bust their butts to get people to get clients on birds, you know? And so we were dealing with difficult birds and unfortunately we were diff dealing with another set, another group of clients on that trip that were absolute jerks and yeah you and i were not staying at the lodge we were staying at a hotel um because they had booked the lodge and then they didn't stay there because they wanted it exclusive access but these guys also wanted to have their own bathrooms anyway i felt bad for shane and the crew these clients were difficult they were demanding they weren't uh, very dedicated to the hunt. And honestly, we had one hunt in particular where they cost us birds because they threw a little fit, stormed out because the morning was a little bit slow and it was cold. And then as soon as we got back to the truck, all the birds showed up. When in hindsight, Harrison, I should have just said, you know what? That's fine. You guys leave. We're staying. Yeah. We're going to shoot these birds when they come back and we'll pick all this stuff up by ourselves. That's yeah. what we, that's what we should have done. I agree, and it was funny because to me, it's you know, you tell the clients we're hunting a loaf. Okay, what should that tell the clients? These birds are going to go feed, and then they are going to come back to water. You're going to have to sit there a little bit longer before the birds come in. Right. And I guess they didn't get the gist of it, and that's not what they want to do. So they left, and as soon as we got back in the trucks, I'd say what. 200 geese just started dumping. Oh, dude. It was, yeah, if not more. I mean, we would have rained them out. It would have been silly, oh, yeah. just silly. And we should have stayed. I, I should have made that call and been like, no, we're staying. But I didn't. It is what it is. But my point with that is I'm not, I'm not saying that to just run these guys down. And I'm not going to say their names. Um, my point of that is if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about going on an outfitted hunt, Give your outfitter some grace. I mean, you should be demanding. You should be asking for the best that that outfitter has to give. But at the same time, you need to be understanding that if there's other clients in the group, they have needs. They may be difficult to deal with. You don't want to be that person. You want to, 
to pitch in. You want to help with decoys. You want to help brush blinds. You want to make yourself useful. Yes, you're paying for an experience, but you're paying for access to ground. You're paying for expertise in the bird in in the hunting to get you on birds. You're paying for a lodge most times. You're paying for food most times. A little bit of hospitality goes with that, but you're going to get the most out of your hunt if you're willing to help out, you know, and it's never, man, I just don't, I just don't get when people just want to be waited on hand and foot. And if you're one of those people listening to this podcast, sorry, but that's the way I feel. And I, I think you're missing out on a lot in life. If you're just, if you just want to be waited on and catered to all the time, you're going to, you're going to get way more and you're going to get respect you know, as well, if you're, if you're willing to pitch in and help out, but anyway, I felt bad for Shane and those guys that day. Cause they were, that was a, that was a tough, they were between a rock and a hard place. You know, they had us trying to film and they had to please these clients at the same time. The birds were really tough, really stale. Hunting was really hard. You know, we help scout every single evening, which that's what I want to do. I don't want to sit on my duff. I want to get out and scout and have a good time, see the countryside, I'd never been to Oklahoma. I'd never been to that part of the world before. I wanted to check it out. And we got a lot out of that. It was super cool experience. And I would love to go back someday. I'd like to take my dad there in late November, early December sometime and shoot cranes with those guys. They, yeah, Shane, Shane Llewellyn and those guys run an awesome, an awesome setup out there. And it's just super cool. And anyway, no, man, go ahead. I was winding that up. I just, I just wanted to say it's, cut your outfitter some slack because they have a really hard job, you know, and they were, and most of them, most of them, there are some crooks out there and you'll be able to tell, you know, if you're not getting into birds morning after morning after morning, and you're talking to other hunters or seeing other hunters that are, and you just feel like something's off. Chances are it probably is, you know, if you got a guy that's just lazy and not taking care of you and doesn't really want to put the work in, that's going to show these other, if, if, if the hunting's just lousy because the birds are stale, and your outfitter's out there busting his butt all the time. You can only control so much, you know. Yeah. That's that's basically you covered what I was going to say. It was just you know, trust your guides because I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's always that one exception to the rule, like you just mentioned, where you'll be able to tell if something's off. But your outfitter is not going to try to put you in a position to fail. So trust your guides and what they do to put you in the best place to kill as many birds as you possibly can. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree hundred percent. You know, the guys that are hungry, the guys that are getting after it, their livelihood depends on repeat clients. You know, they, they, they need to be, have happy clients who want to come back and who recommend their services to other people. And it, the guys that want it, are that shows man they bust their butts they're up early they're out late they and they take the time to to hang out and be hospitable you know and everybody's i'm not talking about personality things because everybody's personality is different but just look for that work ethic you know because not every hunt you go on is going to be a banger it's just not but cool man i really appreciate you jumping on with me harrison um i look forward to seeing you sometime soon i hope you get a chance to get up here bring that beautiful fiance yours up and and hang out maybe this summer and yes, uh i 
I wish you all the best, buddy. It's been I I super enjoy following your career, watching you grow. It's been awesome. And drive safe, travel safe, and uh, don't be a don't be a stranger. No, I won't be. I'll be up there soon. All right, man. All right, take care. Be safe and have fun. See See you, buddy.